from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs. This is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. It's another day and another great guest here on Locked On Chiefs. I want to thank you guys all for coming back and giving us another listen. If you're new to us, I'm Ryan from RGR Football and Rogue Analytics. Uh, Chris and Seth are off today, but I have a great conversation with you with Eric Eager, the senior data scientist from Pro Football Focus, all about the Chiefs draft. And uh, if you don't know, Eric happens to be a Chiefs fan. So this is going to be a great conversation. I think we'll just jump right into it. And today we are lucky enough, after all of the hubbub that's going on with the NFL draft, to get Eric Eager from PFF back. How are you, Eric? Doing well, man. Excited, you know, now that the the offseason sort of in full, full swing uh, with the draft being done. Uh, all we have to look forward to now is the uh, are the games being played. Yeah. Hey, I am. I, I need a little bit of a rest, but I'm about ready to see some of that. I want to see some on field action. <laughs> Very much. I mean, the, especially, you know, given how I think the Chiefs are going to be pretty good this year, despite some of their weaknesses. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. And folks, if if you have not heard Eric on the show before, uh, he is your resident Chiefs fan amongst the, the crew over there at PFF. So you want to make sure you follow him and get all of his opinions. But first and foremost, um, kind of a rough go anytime you don't have a first round pick. But they come back uh, and they had to move around a little bit. And from what we've heard, McCole uh, Hardman out of Georgia was a guy that they had rated highly. Uh, and they did lose some of that fifth round value uh, because they chose to go up because they knew other teams were coming after him. Uh, evidently, the Jets were reportedly doing that um, just as a player and as a fit. And then the value for what they had to give up to get him. How do you how do you look at Hardman in KC? Yeah, for me, I see, you know, a player who, like, they very much want to replace Tyreek Hill um, with this sort of the deep speed as well as the, you know, just the, the ability to sort of make movements in the open field against, you know, defenders made a lot of them look, you know, flat-footed uh, while he was at Georgia. So, you know, Tyreek Hill very much had that going for him. I think Hill was also considered raw uh, Hardman as well. Like, we only really have him. You know, he doesn't have that much data um, you know, in his, you know, in his time there, we have him with like 93 targets, um, in, in the last two seasons, you know, just, just a little shy of a thousand yards. So you're not talking about somebody who the production folks are really going to like, uh, at the next level. Yeah. I think it comes down to, like you said, athleticism and he did rank pretty highly in both the two key metrics that I think you look at when you're trying to replace Tyree kill. And I think that's clearly the direction that they're going in both having the long speed, uh, which the Chiefs had him noticeably uh, lower, uh, better timed than the combine in, and even his pro day from the numbers that I received, um, but mm-hmm. also in his change of direction. And I don't think there's any direct replacement for Tyree Kill, but if you can get, say, 80% of that change of direction of making players miss, uh, are you personally able to look past some of the lack of production a little bit easier, or is production still king? Uh, no, for me, you know, athleticism matters, especially, you know, at the skill positions. Um, also the tape matters. So I know, you know, like if you had a guy who was only, you know, less than a thousand yards in college, he would not be ranked as high as we had him. You know, we had him as 168th on our board. Um, you know, I know we got drafted earlier than that, but, you know, somebody with that kind of production would not be rated as highly, if not for the athleticism, for the scheme fit. Um, I know the Chiefs moved up in the draft because they, they knew that there was a team. Uh, in front of them that was going to, you know, select him. So he certainly was viewed highly and, and it's going to be one of those things where much like Tyree kill and, and much like some of the other players, you know, we've seen, um, you know, it's going to be a projection, but uh, you know, I, 
I think he, you know, as far as replacing Tyreek Hill, I think this is probably the best they could have done and given such short notice. Yeah, I agree. Just the timing of the whole thing made that a difficult one. Just on a personal note, I had him fairly well ranked, I think higher than you guys did, but I did have him below Paris Campbell. Do you you have any thoughts on comparing the two and why the Chiefs may have gone with Hardman? No, Paris Campbell had almost as many yards after the catch last season as Hardman had yards receiving in his whole career. So from a production standpoint, Paris Campbell – uh, you know, far superior in that, in that aspect. I don't exactly have in front of me, like sort of where they, they timed out, but I wrote an article today about the Indianapolis Colts. I think what, what's going to be interesting about Paris Campbell is that he's going to an offense that has, you know, two pretty good tight ends, T.Y. Uh, T. Hilton as like the, the number one receiver and sort of the big receiver in Devin Funches. He's going to be a complimentary piece to that offense. Whereas Hardman, interestingly, despite his lack of production in college, is going to be coming to the Kansas City Chiefs to be a difference maker. So that's kind of really interesting in terms of a comparison. Yeah, I agree. And in role-wise, I think it's it's hard to project sometimes because the film was clearly different for the two of them, with Hardman being more of a vertical threat in pretty much every game that I saw. Um, how comfortable are you if he has to become, and for all intents and purposes, the number two? Well, I mean, you know, two years ago, we were all talking about Tyreek Hill and sort of, you know, he showed a lot in his, you know, um, you know, in his first season. But when they got rid of Jeremy Macklin, um, there were a lot of questions as to whether or not he could take over that number one role. And I, I sort of threw out the name Steve Smith as kind of a, as kind of an example of somebody who could, you know, given that, you know, breakdown, uh, you know, of, you know, speed, but kind of a lack of size and things like that. I think you got to try to make that same comparison here. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I, I know Andy, Andy reads pretty good at the, at these sort of things. So, um, uh, I'm bullish on it, but, um, only because they have the goods. If Alex Smith was their quarterback, um, and, you know, maybe somebody else different was their head coach, I'd be a little less, uh, optimistic. But, uh, for now, I think, you know, the, the key part to the Chiefs offense is whether Sammy Watkins can stay healthy. Uh, you know, if, if he can stay healthy and provide like a Jeremy Macklin 2015 type of year, um, then I think Hardman can really be a contributor. If they, you know, need him to be the number one receiver right away, um, then it, I think like most, he's going to struggle at it. Yeah, I have to agree with you. That's, that's my one trepidation too, is how long can Sammy Watkins hold it together? Uh, but I think we'll get a chance to see him. You know, Brett Veach was very complimentary that he'll play early and often. And I'm hoping that, uh, like you said, his usage at Georgia was so light. And I'm hoping that, uh, he might even see more reps in this offseason than he has the last couple of years. So yes. I, if he can get up to speed, I, I'm feeling fairly comfortable with it. Um, folks, we'll take our first break. We'll come back. We're going to talk about the other two day three. I'm sorry, day two selections. Hiring is hard for everyone, whether it's finding an audio editor or video cameraman, multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, and a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to do it. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over a hundred of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter Get a great quality candidate through the site within the first day. 
And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on, and you can try it for free. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And when we get to their second pick of this draft, I, I think we were both pretty excited about it. When when I look at the athletic matrix, Juan Thornhill came in at the top of the safety list, the number one in terms of athleticism for me. And I look at, at his turnover rates, very, very high, highest in the class for the, the metric that I use. How did you guys feel about him? Yeah, he graded extremely well, uh, in our system. Um, and, and, and sort of consistently in this way, like he was, he was somebody who, you know, we gave an 87 grade in coverage last year. He only, you know, he had six interceptions, six pass breakups. The year before he had four interceptions, 10 pass breakups. His coverage grade got better every single year. So that's something you really like to see. Um, in, in terms of like, ta- you know, against the run, he, Missed very few tackles, I believe, if I'm counting right, 17 over the last three years. That's, you know, an issue that the Chiefs had last season, um, you know, at the safety position when they, when they went back to, to Ron Parker. So, you know, I'm, I'm extremely, you know, uh, bullish on some of the things that he can offer. Um, you know, they have Armani Watts in the mix from a season ago. Um, I think he just gives them a lot of options here, uh, to play alongside Tyron Matthew. I'm not sure how many three safety, you know, sort of, uh, you know, sort of, uh, defenses they're going to try to play, but this is a guy, he played 402 snaps last year in the box. He played 210, uh, 209 snaps at slot corner a season ago. So Matthew gives them that sort of like, you know, he can play deep, but he can also play in the slot. Thornhill gives them that he can play deep, although that was like his least frequent safety position last year. But he can also play in the box and play slot corner. So you got two guys that are very interchangeable pieces. You throw in Armani Watts from a season ago, and I think that they're going to have a pretty good group of safeties on that roster. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I, I know Steve Spagnuolo is probably dragging his feet a little bit, trying to go towards the, the trend of running three safeties more often than not. Uh, but I think eventually that's going to give way, especially with the lack of depth at corner. But if you were going to take what you've been able to discern from uh, Thornhill's track record. Where do you think is the best spot to deploy him? Yeah, I, th- I think it's clear from like with the way Matthews talk that he's going to be that deep safety, the, 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 you know, the sort of, um, you know, uh, Earl Thomas type position, right? And then, uh, it, it looks like Thornhill is going to be more of the like Landon Collins and Spagnolo's defense, which I think is fine for him. It, you know, as you said, he, he hawks on the ball, which is something the chief safeties were terrible at a season ago. Um, you know, comes up in run defense and really does a good job, which I think is important given the, you know, the struggles that they've had there uh, historically. So um, no, I think he plays in the box and I think, and I think Matthew plays deep and with the, the caveat that, you know, unlike Landon Collins, he, you know, Thornhill can sort of move out in the slot uh, and cover players. You know, he, he's been tested. He's been targeted 160 times the last three years into his coverage. So he's not like this deep safety that's never been challenged before. Yeah, I think that's going to pay off for him as well. And much like their third pick in Colin Saunders uh, from a small school, a guy that played all over the defensive front, testing him is going to be the interesting process for me because dominant against a lower level of competition, uh, but he looks for all intents and purposes to, to be able to play the role. What's your impression of him? Yeah, I, I mean, all these picks are subject to the fact that I think the Chiefs should have taken a corner and in probably at 29. 
you know, instead of, mm-hmm. you know, the going all in on the defensive front. Um, but I think if position value didn't matter, I think that this would have been their best value pick of the whole draft. He's terrific on tape. Um, you know, run defense, but also he offers some pass rush. He had seven sacks, four hits, 24 hurries as sort of a nose tackle, 43 stops. So you're simply like an all around good player at that position. I think that makes Xavier Williams, uh, you know, pretty expendable. You have him and Naughty sort of like taking that nose tackle position. You have Chris Jones as the three technique. Um, that's a pretty good defensive interior, I think. And, and I'm pretty, and I'm pretty bullish on sort of the Chiefs ability. You know, a cornerback, you know, depth problems aside, I think that they're, they're up front. They're going to look pretty good, uh, going into 2019. Yeah. And the way my board fell, and I, I think yours was pretty similar uh, at PFF, that once they got past that initial group of corners in the second round, the options were just limited in terms of getting value for where you're picking. But when I look at Saunders, uh, you guys, I think, had him in the top 50, if I remember. Yep. And that's great value. Yeah. I think if, if you didn't put position value into the situation, he's, you know, he was great. We had him at 47. Um, he, you know, I, I think he probably tested pretty, he looks pretty, like I don't have his testing data in front of me, but on tape, he looked like he moved pretty well. So no, he's, he's a great pick. And, and I think, you know, Spagnolo clearly values the players that play up front. Uh, more than, you know, in the secondary, it seems. So, uh, you know, in that realm, he, he's a good pick for the Chiefs. Yeah, I think so as well. And when we start to then take a look at that, that gulf, they gave up the fifth round pick. They come back in the sixth round to make their fourth selection of the draft. Um, choosing Rashad Fenton, a guy that I think can play in multiple schemes, uh, with multiple techniques, but wasn't exactly, uh, you know, uh, star on his college team. I think he ended up with what five picks and 15 PBUs for his career. Um, what's your general take on him? And do you think he's a guy that is, is definitely penciled onto this roster? Or is he a question mark? I think he's very much a question mark. You know, he, his coverage grades had improved every year until his last season after which he declined. Um, even though like it wasn't so much giving up plays as it was like penalties. So he had 10 penalties a season ago. He had seven, uh, in 2017. So that's a, you know, been a problem for the Chiefs. We know Orlando Skandrick couldn't keep his hands off receivers a season ago. And that caused uh, a lot of extended drives, uh, for the Chiefs defense. So, um, I'm not really sure here. He was 104th in the nation among corners and yards per coverage snap allowed, which is not great. Um, and you know, he was just less productive on the ball. He had 11 pass breakups and an interception in 2017 in 2018, just two pass breakups, uh, and three interceptions despite being targeted about the same amount. So, you know, this is again, a head scratcher. You got to wonder, right? So the chiefs, you know, the question being is Brett beach, you know, the man for this job, if he is, I think you got to wonder whether or not they're going to go and look at a cornerback, uh, a veteran. Uh, in the trade market relatively soon because this doesn't, this isn't an answer here. Not only just depth, but also like quality at the position. Yeah, I agree with you. And that's what I'm expecting as well. And I think the good thing about what we've heard the last few days is about versatility. It doesn't seem like Spagnola is going to pin anybody into playing, you know, predominantly man or more zone or he wants to mix it up. And I think that opens up the options for trading for veterans. Yeah, I think, I think they have to. The only issue is, is like every time you rob, you know, you rob Peter, you later pay Paul. So in this, in this draft, for example, uh, you know, they gave up a pitch pick for Reggie Ragland, 
who, you know, two years later, you sort of already know that he's just kind of a guy, right? And then, you know, previously they gave up, you know, it, you know, they gave up a pick for Cameron Irving a, a season ahead of time, you know, like that always gets a little dicey. Now, when it's a, when it's a really impact player, that pick goes up. Um, but, you know, you get more out of it, generally speaking. But, you know, they, one of the second round picks, they gave up Frank Clark already, but I wouldn't be, you know, too offended if they gave up a second for like Patrick Peterson. Um, I'm sort of hoping, uh, that Denver and Chris Harris sour enough where he actually gets released. Cause I think there's no way that Denver trades him within the division, but he would probably be the best option at this point. Yeah. It sounds like it to me too. And the one thing I think the Chiefs have going for them is whatever they do, whether it is that situation where they can pick somebody up that gets released, sounds like Janoris Jenkins is going to stay put. Or if they trade for a, a Peterson or a Rhodes or something like that, at least knowing that it's the cornerback position. That is always good value in my book. How do you all see in terms of what helps you get wins uh, positionally is cornerback a value? Yeah, corner. I mean, cornerback in many respects is either like the first or second most important position after quarterback. Uh, mm-hmm. And that that is sort of like, I think, against the sensibilities when the Chiefs just gave up multiple draft picks and a huge contract for an edge player. Um, but ultimately, cornerbacks often affect more of the game uh, than people realize. So I've been banging the table for this since the Terrence Mitchell, you know, they, they bought into Terrence Mitchell in 2017. That didn't work. They went with Daryl Revis last year. They bought into David Amerson. Uh, and then after that, they bought into Orlando Scandrick and then Charvarius Ward. This year, it looks like Ward and Breland are their two guys. I'm just a little worried about that defense. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Folks, we're going to take our second break. We'll come back and talk about uh, alignment, I think, has got more upside than most people think. And then a couple of UDFAs. Hope you guys are enjoying today's show. We want to let you know that we're going to be with you every day of the week, all off season long, just like we are during the football season. So make sure you're subscribed. Send your questions to Seth at Real Minnesota Chiefs Fan on Twitter. And check out Ryan's live Q&A sessions Monday nights on the RGR Football Channel on YouTube. So I know you all at PFF are really high at Allegretti. I like his nasty attitude and the way that he pummels people on the field. But what can you tell me about your perspective on how he plays? Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, I just look at his data and he just looks like, you know, he wins, you know, more often than he loses. And I think like as an offensive lineman, that's important. Um, he's not quite as good of a prospect in the pass game. Although, again, he's better than some of the guys uh, that I think were taken ahead of him. But in the run game, he's he's been pretty... Uh, you know, pretty impressive. And I think his projection, I think they're, the Chiefs are punching above their weight class with this pick, which is good because, you know, they really do in a draft that had some pretty good interior players. They did not get a good interior player until later in the draft. Uh, and they need one to replace Mitch Morse. They most certainly do. I'm looking forward to see him come in and, and compete, not only at guard, but maybe even at center. And even though I think they made an investment in Austin Reader, I, I think that's a position that may be still up for competition. Absolutely. And, and there's no, there's no guarantee that Cameron Irving, uh, you know, we know that I, well, so it's, it, we found that left guard is sort of the least impactful position. So if you're going to have a player there who's weaker, uh, it's, it's okay to some degree, but like, we just don't know. Like last season, you had the injury to Morris at times with the injury to Duvernay Tardif and you had just enough players to patch it together. Now that you throw Morse out permanently, uh, it just is a question mark to me whether or not they like have the depth and things like that to get by. Should they? Uh, experience an injury uh, similar to last year. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. And, and not to hammer you on it, but could you give me a, a lowdown on 
the the left guard versus the right guard? Is it a propensity to run one direction or is it uh, what pass blockers are aligned where? Why is left guard not quite as important? Um, yeah, so usually the in pass protection, the center will slide left. Okay. Because it's the quarterback sort of like backside. Mm-hmm. Um, also, a lot of times in pass protect in in passing plays, like the three technique is on the left side of the offense. Um, and three techniques are interesting in the NFL in the sense that like, you know, no left guard is going to be able to block Aaron Donald consistently. And uh, every left guard is going to be able to block Shamar Stefan consistently. <laughs> so or, you know, some, you know, Alan Bailey consistently or something like that. So like, it's, it's not really all that sensitive to like who you have there. And then in the running game, you know, teams normally, you know, the team's strong side is the right side. So the point of attack is often, uh, the right guard with the left guard sort of pulling and things like that. Um, and, and so it's just like incrementally speaking, it's sort of a less important position than all the other ones. I'm really interested to see how that pans out. I, I think that's that's a good way to take a look at, at the inner workings of a position that's usually just lumped together. So um, not to get stuck on that too long. Um, we talked with Matt Waldman yesterday about the running backs, Darwin Thompson, uh, and the UDFA James Williams. Do you have a takeaway on, on either of those guys in particular? Yeah, I mean, I think James Williams has the potential to be like a James White type of player um, just because he has that experience in an offense where – like, I mean, the Chiefs kind of are going to get in these types of games until their defense improves. Like, James Williams is sort of this perfect back that, you know, um, doesn't need any carries to be happy, catches the ball, the backfield extremely well, um, runs after the catch well. You know, he's not the greatest in pass protection, but he'll probably improve there. So he's, like, perfect. It's just like James White. If the Ch- Patriots never give James White a carry, he's probably fine, and it's going to be a good, important part of their offense. <laughs> Versus, you know, when Adrian Peterson was a running back for the Vikings, you know, if they only gave him 14 carries and they won, he would still like make a fit, you know. So, like, I like, I think the modern running back needs to be more like that. And good, good thing for the Chiefs is Damian Williams appears to be that way as well. Um, you know, the the guy that they actually drafted. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of looking at Darwin Thompson here. Like he, you know, we only have a year's worth of data for him, but ultimately, like, he was really good. He had a 6.9 yards per carry. 5.1 yards after contact per carry. So in three games with over a hundred yards after contact um, and another two with 90 or more after contact. So that's really like what you look at in terms of what translates to the next level. Can a guy break tackles and can he do something while he's off balance? And, and, and Darwin Thompson certainly satisfied that. I'd be interested. Um, I, I would for the odds on like what, you know, whether or not Carlos Hyde makes the team, I think it's not a sure thing right now. Um, because, you know, he's a veteran. He might be costly if if Thompson and Williams, uh, as well as Daryl Williams, um, can, you know, sort of make, make Hayter in the preseason. He might be expendable despite just being signed by the team. You know, I'm right there with you. I've- yeah, and that's and, and perfect. And they're all perfect compliments to what the Chiefs want to do, <laughs> right? I mean, if the Chiefs get into a game where Mahomes has to throw the ball 50 times, um, you don't want a running back who's needy. You want a running back who's willing to do whatever it takes to win. And And I think, like, the modern running back is going to be good in that regard. And hence, Damian Williams was so effective for them down the stretch a season ago. I think it's going to be interesting to watch. Um, last topic. Are there anybody that stands out in the UDFA class other than, than Williams, who I think is probably the leader? You know, they have uh, Gary Johnson ended up with uh, Cody Thompson, uh, the wide receiver at Toledo. Anybody that stands out to you guys? Yeah, he's he's more of like a small school guy, but Dakari Moore of uh, San Jose State. Um, you know, basically he had one rough year at, at San Jose State, but his last two, uh, he gave up less than a 65 in his coverage. 
uh, you know, last season, four interceptions, 13 pass breakups. So, you know, he's 17 of the 58 plays into his coverage. He was getting his hands on. It's almost a third uh, of the time. So, you know, when we're thinking about, you know, the Chiefs and their best, you know, are they going to replace, you know, Pat, they're still trying to replace Marcus Peters. And, you know, Thornhill did a good, you know, Thornhill, I think, is a good way of the ways there. Matthew as well. Um, but, you know, if they can get corners that get their hands on the ball, uh, I think Dakari Monroe uh, is the one that I that I like the most. I'm going to have to go back and watch his tape. Overall, it's been kind of a rough offseason. We don't know what's going on with Tyreek Hill, but just it, when you look at the day the season ended with the loss to the Patriots, how do you feel this team ranks up compared to that? Uh, well, I currently, you know, when I run the simulation, I think, you know, the Chiefs end up being the most probable team to win the Super Bowl. Um, they have, you know, they have the Chargers in their division, but we also know that like the Chargers have a hard time stringing two good seasons together. Um, they have the Raiders and the Broncos, which are both like probably not going to be very good this year with, you know, sort of middle of the road quarterback slash rookies, uh, in, in uh, Drew Locke. Um, and, you know, the Chiefs have a second year quarterback, right? Uh, Mahomes in his second year and the best offensive mm-hmm. coordinator in the NFL and Andy Reid, who is also their head coach. Um, the defense, uh, can do nothing but get better in terms of, you know, regression. Uh, and, you know, they were a player or two away from being in the Super Bowl last year. And I think they would have been competitive against the Rams had they made it. So, um, I think New Orleans takes a step back. Uh, I think New England takes a step back. And so it opens up a hole for Kansas City here. Um, the team that I'm really worried about in the AFC, and I wrote about this today on profootballfocus.com, is Indianapolis. I think if the Chiefs aren't careful, uh, their old friend uh, Chris Ballard might lap them. Um, but I think for this particular season, the Chiefs are the favorite to win the Super Bowl, uh, and that should make all of us happy. Yeah, I think so, and, and I agree with you. I think Ballard probably had the best draft of any GM out there. But Yeah. As as usual, I think you're right on the money with that prediction. And thank you for all the time that you've spent looking into this and joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And, folks, we'll be back with you tomorrow. Make sure we got all kinds of in-depth coming up. Uh, check out everything at Pro Football Focus, including those two things that Eric just wrote about. So we will talk to you tomorrow. Subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Chiefs. Check out my work at RGR Football on YouTube. Chris's work on LockedOnChiefs.com and all of Seth's film analysis at TheAthletic.com. Thanks for listening.